Sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, June 23rd. I'm Jay Skeets, and joining us, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey Hey-o. Hey-o. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Guys, email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunks at theathletic.com. We'll be hitting the beach tomorrow, so get those cues and comments in right now. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at nodunksinc. You know we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nodunksinc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. Uh, and as promised, guys, we did it. We dropped a new squad pod <laughs> on Monday. Um, stopped lying to you, and we actually posted the thing. It was a lot of fun. We attempted to draft the perfect mascot um, from categories like appearance and their signature gag and a mascot mentor. It's a lot of fun. Uh, early results say JD ran away with this one. <laughs> but go give it a listen and uh, you know make your own call. Let us know again on Twitter, especially what and who you would have drafted in this uh, pretty silly but fun the Perfect Mascot Squad podcast. And uh, before we get to our headlines here, because we're doing a little roundup of the news, I just want to know, Lee, where the hell were you this weekend? Were you in Alabama? I went to Sweet Home Alabama, yeah. Wow. We just uh, decided to do something different uh, with the family, so we headed out to a beautiful little farm out there. It was great. The uh, boys were milking goats. They were feeding <laughs> albino rabbits. Uh, we were egg hunting in the morning. We found some blue eggs. We cooked them up. We ate them. It was a really fantastic little, uh, just, it was only one night, but it was, a, you know, sort of good over, spread out over two days. So it was a lot you of fun. You didn't, uh, shoot up the rabbits like you did when you were on that farm in Australia, did you? Uh, no, these rabbits, I wouldn't shoot these ones up. They're kind of like pets for the farmer. So they're not the pests like we have in Australia. They were, they're really annoying. You want to get rid of those ones. These ones are really cute. And, uh, yeah, the boys had a great time feeding them. So you also great. didn't have sex with the goat, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I did not. Goats are they're, they're wild, man. Goats are incredible. They're um, it's funny because like the farmer was milking the goat, and then he's yeah. like, you know, do you want to have a go? And you should see the look on the goat's face when someone else tries to milk him. He's just like, what the hell are you doing, man? You've never done this before. Hand me back to the farmer, will you? But uh, yeah, it was great. I highly recommend it. You know, it's um, it's great. It's only two hours out of uh, out of uh, Atlanta here, um, where oh, we went to Pell City. It's called just just before Burn. Birmingham. I would like to say Birmingham because that's what it's from in England, but over here it's Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. So this was like almost like a bed and breakfast type farm in a way. Yeah, yeah, it was on yeah, it was on Airbnb, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, cool. we actually stayed in a camper van which was uh, hilarious because our little 3-year-old, he's right into Star Wars and everything right now. And every time we went back to the camper van, he said, "Dad, I'm going to head back to base, okay?" I'm like <laughs> 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 all right and i got in, i got into it i said all right we've got to head back to base guys let's go you know it was awesome okay well it looked like a fun time from the photos i yeah. saw yeah just pack up your darth mule and head on back <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's get into some nba news here we do have headlines to tackle uh the first one coming out over the weekend espn Concern throughout the NBA grows as coronavirus cases spike in Florida. This was big news, of course, over the weekend where the Florida Department of Health reported, I guess actually on Monday, that the state had passed 100,000 confirmed COVID-19 infections and that 
cases have been trending up for a while now and recent days the positive test rate has been like something like 12 percent so quite high um and we're seeing it where there's there's concern from the league about oh my god we're going to florida i mean our teams are going there you know well the raptors are already there and more are headed that way is this a bad idea tass uh, what do you think of uh, this news coming out over the weekend yeah, everybody concerned as Florida hits their new record highs seemingly daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely definitely a big concern. I think as this continues to happen, I think the league is under pressure to get those Disney employees who are traveling from their homes into Disney every day to take care of the NBA players and, and teams under pressure to have them stay there as much as possible. I know that opens up another can of worms about rooms, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, the people tending to their food and also tending to the rooms that are only being changed once a week or, or, or uh, turned over once a week. I think those people, as, as these numbers t- tend to go up, should be staying on campus and you have to find a way to uh, try and alleviate those concerns. And then I think the next step is potentially eliminating a few of those teams that are at the bottom rung. And that's probably a ways away. Uh, but, you know, we'll talk about some of those, the players from those teams that are mm-hmm canceling uh, a little bit later that aren't, aren't coming from those bottom rung teams but I, I think realistically right now the league should be looking at keeping those disney employees on site yeah and i think that that's uh definitely definitely seems to be the way to plug up some of the holes in the mesh hat that people are calling this bubble concept but the problem apparently is that all disney employees are union so they got to figure out another way to be able to basically mess with their work and life schedule yeah. is that the nba you know kicking in an extra twenty five thousand dollars for each of these employees so that they don't actually have to leave the magic kingdom maybe it is but i don't know when i read through this article it to me it seems that everybody is pretending to listen but this is going to happen no matter what brian windhorse went on and said that the plan is basically too big to fail and when you read the quotes it really just comes off as yeah we see what's going on but it's not going to stop us Adam Silver was, quote, resolute but somber. Mm -hmm. Michelle Roberts is saying, I'm not surprised given the state's approach to reopening, but guess what? Our players are flying there private. It should be fine. Nothing's, quote, unquote, happening in Orlando, probably because most people are gone since Disney World isn't open. Maybe the numbers are going to go up in Orlando as soon as everybody gets there. There's a lot of talk about things they're doing right and how, quote, unquote, concerned they are, but it's still going to happen. So are you really concerned? I'm not buying it. I, I, I'm the same. I think the NBA is going to get to a point where it's like, we're just going to push ahead until there's absolutely, it's far too dangerous for anyone to be there. And I just don't think they've reached that point yet. I, I think because of how much they've lost for this season, they want to recoup whatever they can. And so they're just going to try to get everyone down there and just see what happens uh, rather than just pull the pin as a, as a precaution. I just don't think that's what they want to do. I think they want to get there and just make something happen. So, you know, we're still what, five or six weeks away from games being played. Of course, teams, uh, you mentioned the Raptors already there and other teams are going to start arriving soon to go through their, uh, you know, their pre, uh, pre-trial warm-ups and things like that. Um, so it's just, I think for the NBA, it's like if we can go there and people, it's not just going to be a big breakout as far as uh, people contracting the virus, then they'll push ahead. But if it gets to a situation where it just goes through a team or teams, uh, then they may reconsider. But um, I don't think they'll pull the pin before that point what about though let's say the bubble sort of works okay there are a lot of problems with it as you guys have pointed out we have over the last couple weeks but let's say it sort of works okay what happens though on the outside of the bubble if a medical system is just completely overwhelmed 
and you know this continues to spike and it's bad you can't i mean just pure optics you couldn't just be playing in your little bubble professional basketball while right outside of it you know again a medical system overwhelmed people are dying left and right there's just no way at, at that point right I don't think well, yeah. so. Yeah, that's a moral issue that the league faces sure. right then. You know, where, where are you just going to ignore what's really happening to the people around you? And, and oh. again, that's that's if you're Adam Silver in the league office, there, like, what what point do you get to where you decide, okay, yeah, we we can't push ahead with this when so much uh, catastrophe is going on around us? And I mean, this goes back though. This starts with the leadership of not just Florida but the whole United States. I mean, there's absolutely yeah. no plan. There is no leadership. I mean, you've got the president out there saying he wants testing to be reduced because they've got too many cases. I mean, it's a complete disaster in that sense. So the NBA has to take their own leadership, uh, you know, leadership from their own standpoint here and decide what is right because it's not going to come from the government. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's looking terrible right now for Florida. And unless they do something about it, it's only going to get worse. So that is a, a real uh, situation that the league is facing. And, and it's probably going to come sooner than they realize, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there aren't can... any hospitals that are struggling at this point, are no, there? No. I, I don't think so. But who's to say that couldn't happen, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, Michelle Roberts uh, did say, I, I think there's, they are all concerned. I'd, I'd push back and say that they are worried because she did mention hey if there's if it's necessary to add further restrictions respecting those third parties having access to the campus we will seek to implement them yeah but even that that is saying we're still going there we're still going there we're just gonna pay people more to have them stay and if you're there then like how can you how can you really say you're taking it seriously to me the league opened themselves up to so much criticism when they decided to go for the 22 team format because then it's obvious. It's obvious you're doing it for TV money. You're doing it uh, so that you're going to have more games happening there. You're not doing it to finish out the season and have a championship. You're doing it as a business decision. And I would have a lot more respect for the way they're handling it if they were upfront about it, saying we're doing this as a business. We're going to make it happen as a business. We know people are going to get sick. We know that there are going to be problems in there. But the fact that there is nothing in the league's memo about ever having to shut down the season if we get a whole bunch of cases, that. That's kind of ridiculous to me that that kind of language isn't in there. Uh, yep, that would be nice if it was in there. Uh, I, I think we all know that they're going for money. At the same time, if it's a hermetically sealed bubble, if they're going to make it a bubble and they do add these implications or, or do, do add these restrictions for people coming in and out, that makes it a bubble uh, to, you know, to some degree. And as we've seen from epidemiologists, from, from Dr. Fauci on down, they believe in this system that it, it it should work yeah there should there will be cases uh, i don't i don't think anybody is really um thinking that there will be zero at the same time they're going to be down there for weeks and there will be quarantine periods for everybody and i think they're definitely adding more and more they should be adding more and more and and i think they should start if the players and the teams are there for weeks on end the the disney employees should be as well Woes just tweeted right before we jumped on this podcast. Um, the NBA and the Players Association have agreed to put into place an enhanced insurance plan for players in Orlando that would cover career-ending injuries related to COVID-19 or conventional basketball injuries. So there's a potential group policy that would cover players for several millions of dollars. And I bring that up because we got a lot of news from this past weekend and Monday of like opt-outs and injuries 
and maybe guys that are still 50-50. Uh, we can go through these one by one if you want, or I can throw them all at you now. We can just talk about the ones we want to. But, you know, the New York Post, first to say that Davis Bertans, the Wizards forward, he's the first player to officially say, like, pull, I'm not going to Orlando. I'm pulling out of the restart. Um, so let's start with him. I think we'll do these one at a time. But, you know, this was big news, obviously a good player. And he was on one of those teams you said there, Tass. Um in the Wizards, who no one believes has any chance of even forcing a play-in tournament, the Mega Bowl, let alone getting into the playoffs to get hammered by the Bucks, So he decides it's not worth it. You know, like, I'm a free agent. I've had injuries before. What's the point of this? Oh, yeah, there's also the COVID uh, scare. And he said, I'm not going. What do, you, what do you think about this? Good for Davis Bertans uh, to make a decision for himself. It, it's uh, it, the risk reward ratio for a guy who's becoming a free agent and is going to get paid for next season, probably from the Washington Wizards. Uh, it's not worth it. He's not going to make any more money, very, very unlikely, by playing really well in Orlando. And the Wizards unlikely to go to the playoffs. Well, it's interesting. Our Fred Katz reported that he is going to be playing with the Wizards in training camp in Washington D.C. before mm-hmm. they go down, and he's going to be he's going to be in camp there. Um, so it seems like an amicable situation. Everybody gets what they want. Uh, I don't. It, it's an interesting thing with the Wizards um, because as you see players like Davis Bertans pulling out, uh, it's almost like just just don't don't force them to go and and start the the chopping block on a few of those teams that at least a few of those teams that are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in because it, it does make it more um, more. <laughs> weighty just have have less of a of a feel of a championship season if 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 players are are deciding that they're not going to go before this deadline of uh, june 24th wednesday so the more that that do drop out it, it seems like it would make sense that team or players would drop out for teams that are outside of the playoff picture it, it does, feels a little bit more gimmicky that, that's for sure and so a, a few of these teams uh, they may be on the chopping block you know it sure feels like they're going to force 22 teams to go um but i don't know bradley beal has not 100 percent committed to going the, the washington wizards best player and if, and if he doesn't uh then chop him off chop so off you that think whole you think we should maybe but either the teams make this decision or i guess they would have to in conjunction with the nba just say hey sons wizards don't come like you know what <laughs> there's sort of no point everybody thinks that so you guys just stay home i mean i think we just saw the orlando pride in the mls league mm. the soccer league they just said that they just said we're not going um and they were obviously kicking off uh, pretty soon here also in florida and they're just decided uh after testing and stuff like that that nope we won't be there so lee i mean could we could we see that with a team like the wizards or maybe the suns or some other teams well, I think if you do it with those two, then you may as well do it with all the ones who weren't in that top 16 as of the season suspension. So that would mean the Blazers and the Pelicans uh, as well and the Kings. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would look to do something if I'm like if, if I'm that in the NBA. But as Trey was saying before, this was not about trying to give teams the best chance of winning the championship. No. This was about more teams, more money, more games. Um, and clearly, if you're D- Davis Bertans, there's absolutely no point in going down there. Even though, as you mentioned there, Woj has had this tweet about players being yeah. uh, insured, which is good for someone like him. But he is potentially looking... I mean, he's a little bit hard to figure out exactly what he's going to be worth. He, his last contract was two years and $14 million. I, I think... 
assuming, let's just say for, for, for the point of this article that the salary cap next year was going to be the same as it is this year, then he's probably in line for like a 15 to 20 million a season uh, pay rise, Davis Bertans. But that probably won't happen now, given that the salary cap will be so different. But certainly we know he was an in-demand player. The, the Wizards could have traded him at the deadline and they didn't. So he has got value and he's only risking that by going down there to play a few meaningless games. And this is guy's also already had two ACL uh, injuries. So yeah. for him... It makes perfect sense to just sit out and say there's there, there is only risk here for me. There's no reward. There's nothing he can really do that's going to significantly bump up his pay um, more than what what he was already in line for. So yeah, I, I think uh, I think the NBA made a mistake by taking more than 16 teams, and I think you're going to start seeing that with more and more of these players on these fringe teams just saying I'm not going. There's no point. Um, you know, depending on whatever their personal situation is, and I think uh, that's the smartest decision to do if you're a player stay away from it and just stay home how much do you think Bertans is worth I, I need to get a clarification on that number well I'm saying I'm saying if if the uh, if the salary cap was what it was this season I think he's in in line between you know 15 to 20 million per um, hmm. but uh, who knows what the cap is yeah. for next season I, I would say he's still probably going to get three years and you know 10 to 12 million somewhere no, like that easy. you know yeah, the cap um, should be somewhere around there for sure, around what well, was last year. No, I, I think it'll be significantly less than last year. I mean, you think of the, the Chinese uh, debacle at the start of the season, now missing out on so much money throughout the season. Um, I, I think it could it could drop well below a hundred million. Myself, I mean, just based yeah, on the, Hollinger, Hollinger and Aldridge, are like they're talking about smoothing it out over years. Right, so right, okay, yeah, drastic. right. But right. it's going. It's very likely it's, going down. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, he, you know, again. He's a, he's a shooter. He doesn't do a whole lot else, but he's a pretty good shooter, and he's a, someone who, you know, you have to respect when he's on the floor, and those players are in demand. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, he, he's going to get paid, but obviously if he was to injure himself again, then that, that uh, could seriously affect his big payday because this, this is going to be his big payday. I don't think he's going to get a bigger one after this one. Well, one of the other teams that's going to be missing a player um, that is at least scheduled right now to be down there in Orlando is the Suns, and Kelly Oubre Jr., this was Shams, tweeting that, Ubre Jr. is expected to miss the rest of the season to continue rehabbing his knee. Um, so, you know, it's a little different, of course, than Berton's, especially in the headline or in the news. But I think it's a, at its at its base, it's the same thing, right? It's a guy on a team that has no chance to win a title or even probably even make the playoffs, and he's you know looking ahead to to money he wants to make in this league, and it's like, nah, you know, it's this is not worth it either. So he will not be going too, Trey. Yeah, he's basically just a year behind Bertans yeah. with regards to how yeah. he's handling this whole thing. His contract year will be next season, so it behooves Kelly Oubre to go into the season as healthy as he can, trying to make as much money on his next big deal. But I do wonder if there's a little bit of drama behind the scenes with Kelly Oubre and the Phoenix Suns. Remember when he was a free agent after they traded Trevor Ariza for him? It was a slow free agency for Kelly Oubre. They kind of said, go yeah. out and try and get an offer, see what you can, we're going to match it, no problem. So that kind of could have pissed him off then at the trade deadline uh, this year. He was back in the mix as somebody who could be traded, like it feels like Kelly Oubre always is. And now he in a, a restart where the Suns could break a 10-year playoff drought. He's looking out for himself, right? He's not going to be yeah. joining the Suns for uh, whatever possible Cinderella run they could have. Um, I just wonder if he's a little bit mad at the Suns, and I wonder if Kelly Oubre is a guy who's not long for Phoenix after next season. Yeah, it's possible because... I think it was Arizona Sports I read 
said before the pandemic shut down basketball, the Suns had hoped Kelly Oubre Jr. would return by the end of the regular season, which would, okay, let's say is early April, whatever. He'd play for a little bit. Well, now we're into late June, not even playing basketball until late July. So, yeah, it's like, well, you thought he was something I guess could have happened in, in his knee, you know, the rehab and it went bad or something like that. I guess that's a possibility. But it's probably more what you're saying, Trey, the latter of like, no, I'm going to worry about Kelly Oubre Jr. <laughs> and uh, the Suns would have to win like, you know, how many games? They'd have to win like eight of ten games, right? Let's say that. To, I'm including the, the two-game sweep of the, of the number eight seed to mm. get in to face the Lakers. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's not, it's just not happening. It's not at all. So, and these are against all really good teams down there too. So, mm-hmm. yep. Oubre Jr. says... No, I will not be going. Um, maybe another reason, yeah. Like some of these sort of fringe teams, like the Suns and Wizards, are just cut from this whole experiment. It's possible. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, another weird one here. ESPN: The Blazers, Trevor Ariza, opting out of NBA restart because he is committing to visitation with his son. Task. This one's obviously a little different than a Bertans and a Kelly Oubre Jr. But he is opting out of Orlando to spend time a one-month visitation window with his 12-year-old son who he's involved obviously in a in a custody case over you do you trev good for him yeah stay home <laughs> yeah i mean he's like he's choosing a, a month of time again with his young son over what i guess he'd lose somewhere between a million and 1.8 million depending if the blazers got into the playoffs mm-hmm. it's like yeah yeah not all, all the money in the world probably doesn't you know mean anything to him just for another month with his son and, and again in a very tough uh, custody case so yeah that's just uh you know we're, we're gonna find out i, I guess we're gonna get these over the next couple days here right would you say tass it was well tomorrow is the deadline to decide is that right mm-hmm. wednesday yeah yeah so there's gonna be more because i don't know if you've been how close you've been following the WNBA, who's obviously going to be restarting soon there's been a lot of like somewhat big names that are not even deciding to go down and try the restart of their season um so will we get more here in the NBA in the next couple of hours as soon as we probably record finish recording this podcast <laughs> yeah I'm but sure those WNBA players are staying home for social justice reasons because they have uh, they want to they, they deem their time to be better spent in another area and uh, Renee Montgomery of the Atlanta Dream yep. and Natasha Cloud of the Washington Mystics haven't had one of those yet uh, in the NBA and so that's a bit surprising but these these two names um, you know besides you know, Ubre, Davis Bertans, Trevor Riza, not huge names, and no. and and so everything's still going. You know, according to plan with the NBA, according to their bubble plans. Um, the closest maybe we've got in terms of a headline for what you were saying, Tess, is the Clippers. Lou Williams um, said he was fifty-fifty on NBA players returning. I, I assume he's talking about himself as well. Doesn't want it to be a distraction. Um, but again, he will uh, ultimately make that decision by Wednesday to inform their teams of uh, what they want to do. We will find out. And that's um, what the interesting thing about Burton's choosing not to be in the bubble was to me, was that immediately the Wizards basically came out and supported him saying, yeah, we're going to be going after him in free agency. This is fine. We understand his choice, blah, blah, blah. We're 100% mm-hmm. here for you. Hopefully teams, when a guy like Lou Williams decides that he wants to use his voice for the Black Lives Matter movement outside of the bubble, hopefully teams are right there, ready to support their players, making that choice just as quickly as they are for free agency reasons. All right, our next headline from the Detroit News. Troy Weaver hired as general manager to help Pistons reach next level. 
Lily, it's official. Mm. Troy Weaver, GM of the Pistons. Um, he had his press conference, talked about Blake Griffin and Derek Rose still being a part of uh, you know their immediate plans here. He's got a lot of big things to figure out. They're going to have a high draft pick. Um, they got a lot of cap space. What do you do with those guys? Despite him saying, uh, you know, no, we want to keep them around. What's uh, what's the first or big most important thing you think Weaver has to deal with the Pistons here? Well, with the Pistons, just before we get into that, I mean, he has done his time here, Troy Weaver. He has had an excellent career in the NBA, uh, most recently under Sam Presti there in Oklahoma City, and has all the credentials. And I think that's what's great, because Troy Weaver's another black guy, and this is not just a, a tokenism sort of signing here from the Pistons, which I think is really important. They've fi- identified the right candidate, he's done his time, he's qualified, and he deserves a chance like this. So I think that's uh, fantastic for Troy. Um, and I think, yeah, well... I mean, the first thing I think the most important thing is you have to figure out what you're doing with Blake Griffin. Now, I know, again, he said he wants to be a part of his plans. I mean, that's sort of standard talk during your first press conference. But if the Pistons are going to move forward and they're going to build around Blake, okay, fine. But I know Blake's not the same player he was there in Los Angeles. He's still a good player, but he's he's certainly not the sort of guy you think is going to take your franchise to the next level anymore. So whether or not he decides to rebuild or to cash in on and, and to cash in on Blake Griffin in that sense, that's going to be his most important decision. It's going to be hard to trade him, I think, because he's still got a huge contract there. Um, but, uh, you know, Detroit's not a, the sort of city that's a free agent destination. So he's going to have to be creative. He's going to have to um, draft well. And he has a reputation and a record for making some good suggestions and picks there with the uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. No, most notably, he pushed hard to draft Russell Westbrook way back in 2008. Um, and that is apparently one that Weaver was was uh, credited with really sort of saying to Sam Presti, go and get this guy. And he turned mm-hmm. out pretty well. So he's got a good he's got good credentials here. But this is not an easy task. In Detroit, it's not easy. He is going to have to figure out how to make this city and this team attractive, and that hasn't been easy for anybody in the last few years. And in fact, hasn't really been easily uh, ever easy for anyone in Detroit because it's just not a place that uh, players want to go to and play. So um, I wish him all the best. Uh, good luck for him. I'm fan- I'm really happy that he's got this opportunity. How he makes the most of it now is going to be a great challenge for him. Uh, but I just wish him all the success because I think he's earned this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He's got a big decision with Blake Griffin, but a couple things to that. One, he's got experience <laughs> with big trades in Oklahoma City. I know, you know, Paul George and Russell Westbrook probably higher on a lot of other teams' lists than a Blake Griffin, an injured Blake Griffin, an older Blake Griffin. I get that. But he, you know, was a part of those deals, right? Sending Paul George to the Clippers for all those young guys or mm-hmm. SGA and Gallinari and all the picks, and then later Westbrook for Chris Paul and even more picks. So there's that. And I actually think he's stepping in I know it's Detroit. We always make fun of them. We always overlook them. Um, I couldn't believe when I read that Detroit is one of two teams that haven't won a playoff game since the 08-09 season. Wow. Um, They've made the playoffs, but they generally get swept. Uh, The Kings is the only other team, I believe, that hasn't won a playoff game in that long, which is wild. But this isn't a bad hand, honestly, to step in here. Um, You've got, like I said, I think something like the fifth best odds at the number one pick right now, so that could be even higher. Potentially... $30 $30 million in cap space. Um, you've already moved on from Drummond. You know, the, you know, the previous, um, you know, organization franchise has already moved on from Drummond and Reggie Jackson in February. So there's the, the, there's decisions on Blake and Derrick Rose, but it's not brutal to me. Tass, am I wrong? Am I being too optimistic with the Pistons and, and Troy for Reaver sure. coming in here and getting to sort of mold it? 
I you're am. being optimistic, my man. I, I guess <laughs> I guess what you're being optimistic in relation to, though, is the last few years mm-hmm. where at least they're going in a direction mm-hmm. uh, instead of going to a mediocre land where they get swept by the Bucks and, and by the Cavs before that. I mean, I can't even I can't remember another playoff run, but yeah, they got swept by Giannis's when when Blake was hurt, and and I think we've seen peak Blake, unfortunately. Um, and it, you know, when they made the trade for Tobias Harris for Blake Griffin, it was, hey, we're trying something, um, but it, you know, it, it it came up to what it came up to. Now it's not getting any better. At least at the very least, yeah, they traded Drummond. They're going in that direction. So. Good luck to Troy Weaver. Apparently, they tried to get him in 2018, according to uh, James Edwards on, on The Athletic, and uh, they couldn't get him then, so they got him now, and uh, another black executive is is good for the NBA. And um, I, I, I read a quote about, uh, or uh, a trajectory, I guess, about the Detroit Pistons and how they're looking to go nowhere but up. They're, they're, they can't go down uh, from where they are right now. So, <laughs> so I, 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 yeah, Troy Weaver is... Probably a good man for the job, and I, I, I'm not really well versed in the assistant general manager realm. I think none of us really uh, know behind the scenes what he's done, but yeah, he's put in his time and ready to go. So good luck to him. At least Tom Gores and uh, and the Pistons have a direction this time. Yeah, yeah what you mentioned, Tass, was surprising to me from that James Edwards article that the Pistons wanted Troy Weaver in 2018. They didn't get permission from the Thunder, so they didn't hire a GM. They just went with Ed Stefanski and Arn Tellum in their front office, which kind of explains why the Pistons have been a little bit lost over the past couple of years. But it was also interesting seeing that Dwayne Casey is mentioning that the team will be rebuilding and that they do have a clear direction because it feels like they do. But it also doesn't really feel like the Pistons have a clear direction until Blake Griffin is gone. You're not really rebuilding if you're paying that much money to a past-his-prime superstar. you got to get something for it. And that'll be interesting to see if Troy Weaver really does get the reins here to see if he's actually the guy who's the number one voice. I remember when the Bulls signed Karnishevis and everybody's like, this is going to change everything, and it hasn't changed everything. So you got to let the guy do the job you hired him for. Yeah, it will be fascinating to see if you can trade Blake because he's got two years and what, $75 million or something yeah. like that on his contract. He's got a player option in 2021, too. Yeah, that'll be impressive if they can uh, find something in return that they're excited about. They need, they need, to, they need to land a damn draft you know, pick, too. That's the truth. And uh, I'm not a draft guru, so I know it's not supposed to be a deep draft by any means, but they need to get some luck here, jump up a little higher, and get somebody that has star potential to put people in the seats eventually mm. when you can put people in the seats and to create a little buzz around this team. Uh, they need that so, so desperately. Um, you know, maybe it is. A, I, I don't know how good he's going to be as an NBA player, but maybe it is like a LaMelo, right? Um, you could see that uh, at least uh, getting some interest back in the franchise. Yeah. We'll see. They should, they should be wise, though. They should do what we've seen the Grizzlies and the Hawks do in the past with like all that cap space. Um, if you can't be like a player, like you said, Lee, like to get actually someone just to straight up come, they got to use that to eat salary and also gain assets, right? You know, pick up picks here and there, taking on some bad contracts um, just because they have the room. They definitely should explore that, and, and maybe that's something Weaver will do. We will find out. Talking Pistons, baby. Gotta love it. <laughs> All right, we got more NBA headlines still to address, but before we do, a quick word from our sponsor. Like most of you out there, I've been missing hanging out with my friends during the COVID-19 quarantine. 
But luckily, about a month ago, we found a great online game to help us stay connected. It's called World Golf Tour, WGT. I've talked about it before. It's awesome. Once or twice a week, the guys and I, we jump on Zoom or FaceTime and we hit the links to play against each other. So much fun. And Nora absolutely hates it. But this is a very realistic golf game. So you got to keep your composure out there. You got to focus on that little swing meter. So important. Which is why I'm loving my Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. They help quiet the mind. Which means I'm out putting my buddy Grish left and right. Oh, baby, 15 feet, no problem. Read the break. These things work so well that I won a 12-man tournament the other weekend. Picked myself up a new set of irons with my winnings. So thanks, Sunday Scaries. And it's no surprise that Sunday Scaries have become a leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scary CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes and Men's Health, Allure, and Best Products. Get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS, all one word, at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter the code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might work best for you. So go to sundayscaries.com and use the code NODUNKS and uh, you know, then go hit WGT and find me. And we'll play each other. Okay, some Knicks news. We found out that they are now going to be interviewing Mike Brown and Jason Kidd for their head coaching job. That brings the... Nick's coaching candidates list to 10, 11, I think, something like that. Um, there's been a lot of names thrown around, but Tass, what do you think about these two latest in, in Mike? Is it Mike Brown or Mike Woodson? I can't even keep them track. I think they got both on their list, but it's Mike Brown and Jason Kidd are the latest. That's great. It's interview, interview everybody. Why the I mean, heck not? Interview every Mike out there. Every Mike. Let's see. Um can't think of another Mike coach that's Michael available. Jordan? Oh, no. Oh, mm. they got to give an interview to Mike Miller, their current coach. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they've got three Mikes on this list. I'm mm-hmm. not even kidding. Mike Miller, Mike Brown, Mike Woodson. Incredible. Get them in. I, I just don't care about the story until they <laughs> hire somebody, really. Right. Uh, but if you're hiring somebody like Jason Kidd for the purpose of trying to lure Jan Kumpo, a guy that he coached with the Milwaukee Bucks, then that's... Very short-sighted, if that's the deal. Um, but oh, I, I completely forgot about that, though. You're right, Tass. I remember when Jason Kidd was on his way out, he made a point of saying, yeah, but Giannis wanted to keep me around. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, apparently Giannis liked him after he learned mm-hmm. about Jason Kidd being a good basketball player. He said, oh, you play basketball? You were good? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did some good things. Oh, okay, then you can teach me. Teach me how to be a point guard like you. And maybe he loves him, um, but New York... Plus, Jason Kidd does not equal Giannis Tetacumpo. I mean, there's a lot of other things that would have to happen for him to go there. So hire the best coach, but but hire somebody that can change the culture around that team. And uh, maybe it's Mike Brown. I don't know. I, you know, a, a guy who's who's at least had some experience at um, with, with a great player in LeBron and then went to Golden State, has had a lot of experience in this league. So I wouldn't be upset if Mike Brown... Or another Mike took the took the uh, the reins in New York. Yeah, I saw the Athletics Mike. Another Mike, Mike Vorkanov, um, tweet the list of the known candidates here. It's Tom Thibodeau, Mike Miller, Kenny Atkinson, Mike Brown, Ime Udoka, 
Will Hardy, Chris Fleming, Jamal Mosley, Pat Delaney, Mike Woodson, and Jason Kidd. I think that's 11. Hmm. Um, which is, I that's guess, a good. full team of coaches. Yeah, I cast, uh, cast your net wide here. But, I mean, for the longest time, Lee, we've just been thinking it's eventually going to be Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're just, you know, maybe they weren't happy with the reaction to that news. So they're like, well, let's just keep interviewing other people and see, <laughs> see if people uh, like go, oh, Jason Kidd, I guess would rather have Tom Thibodeau. Um, I don't know. Who do you think it's going to be ultimately from that list? Or who do you think it should be, I guess? Yeah, well, well, I think they probably are going to go with Thibodeau because that's what it—that's uh, what it sounds like. They—that's their guy. That's they're focusing on. Um, I don't necessarily think he's the right choice, but at least they are casting the net here. And I think even if it is just for optics, I think that's important for the Knicks rather than just decide, okay, we're just going to hire the first guy we interview. So, um, and, and, you know, Mike Brown had some success, of course, there when LeBron was in charge uh, in Cleveland. They made the finals and Brown was considered a, a reasonable coach there who understood just, you know, you've got your best player, let him kind of dictate things. Yeah, there's he no LeBron have... James on yeah. the no, Knicks, I, though. I, I know, I'm just, about the same Mike Brown? I'm just, I'm just saying, like, like he understood at least like when you have the talent you just have to focus around the talent the Knicks don't have that talent right now so that might go against Mike Brown but if they get Giannis you know yeah Giannis is a free agent then why not but uh, uh. you know look the, the Knicks it doesn't really matter who coaches the Knicks right now they just simply don't have enough talent to compete so it, it depends on, on what culture setter you want in there. Do you want someone like Tibbs who's going to be a disciplinarian and a hard guy? Or do you want someone who's going to be a little bit more communicative, like uh, Udoka perhaps, who's got a good reputation coming out of uh, uh, San Antonio? So, yeah. uh, you know, who, who knows? But at least I think it, what is important here is the Knicks appear to be canvassing different uh, coaches from different backgrounds and different experiences to at least get a better idea of, of uh, what they want in a coach. Yeah, they should get just really creative and hire all of them, right? And like give them all a couple games. Like just have this, have a coaching tournament yeah. for all of next season yeah. between all these Knicks guys. Just who have, yeah, give them all five games each. We're having six games each. See what they can do with it. Hey, Survivor, oh, yeah. coaching Survivor, they're coaching <laughs> Survivor man. Yeah, and they, see, they have like, to. Yeah, they have to vote each other off each week, and whoever's last man standing gets the coach. There you go, JD will be in. <laughs> it's the trade deadline. Good time to get in. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Tass, I am with you at this point. I almost feel bad for including this. I just like, all right, just pick your coach already, okay? Like, pick your coach so we can really zero in on that guy and debate the pros and cons of him coaching your New York Knicks. But I've as seen, our Knicks PR here. operative, Lee Ellis, has proven, this is working perfectly. These are names you've heard of, so you're like, oh, cool, the Knicks are doing a good job by talking to people I've heard of. It's that easy. The bar is that low for the Knicks. All you have to do is talk to somebody who played for your team once upon a time. Well, yeah. This is the stout man's influence. He's there. He's, he's yeah. out there saying, listen, just talk to a lot of people. That'll keep people happy. And then... <laughs> Depending on who Twitter says you should you should uh, hire, just hire that dude. That's how it's going to work. Yeah, they've got a nice mixture here, though. I would say of like people, coach names you know, the guys that have been around for a long time, you know, former players and Jace Kitt. But there are some names that, I, as I went through that list from Mike Borkanoff, like I was like, who the hell's Jamal Mosley? Who's Pat Delaney? Isn't mm. that guy on uh, Bon Appetit? Like, you know, like, uh, there was a lot of names where I was like, I don't even know who that person is. But By the way, did you say Mark Jackson was on that list? Because I, I don't think I heard his name. And he's no, someone I, who's I been did not, I did not say Mark Jackson. Hmm. Um, I think you're purposely doing that. I didn't say Mark Jackson, uh, Phil Jackson, um, <laughs> Janet Jackson. Mike Jackson. Yeah, Mike Jackson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Ghost Michael Jackson. And uh, I was 
was going to say one more. Um, no, I can't remember now. Anyway, Frank Jackson. Okay. Um, next headline. From The Athletic. Sources. Clay Thompson cleared to train without restriction on his healed knee. Good news for Warriors fans. Um, obviously looking ahead to next season because they won't be down there in the bubble. Clay Thompson, good to go, Tass. I totally forget that uh, these teams from the uh, Delete Eight, the teams that aren't going down to Orlando, are actually going to have training camps in the summer to yeah. uh, make sure that they get uh, get some runs in and not have to go basically like 20 months in between the 2019-20 season and then the start of next season. So Clay should be a go for that, which is the the best portion of this news for me. Yeah, I took the same thing away from it. Um, it really does seem like a long time to not play basketball, and it's nine months off for these teams that are in the Delete Eight. They mentioned that Clay is limited by his circumstances because they just can't have 10 players around to play five on five right now. So it at least makes a little bit of sense that, you know, these teams that are going to be out of the restart would want to do something because that's all a year, a whole school year. That's a long time to not be playing professional basketball. Mm. But uh, for the Warriors, you know, Steph missed a lot of last season. Draymond didn't have a really good season. So coming into next season, whenever it starts, the Warriors should be fresh and ready to go again. They could, you know, easily be in the top two or three teams in the Western Conference uh, yeah. next season if everyone is healthy again. So uh, good news, I guess, for them in that sense. Yeah, it's almost like you, you got to remind yourself, this was a team that went to five straight finals. Um, and it's just like, how exhausting that would be so to get like the ultimate refresh yeah. because of you know sort of injuries with a lot of these guys and obviously now the pandemic and shutting down in the season all that and like extending that like yeah maybe that's like exactly what they needed um yep. as weird as that sounds um to come back and and be as uh, as talented as ever as great as ever with their with their star guys in curry clay and draymond if you could and and it'd be, i'm interested to see if obviously coming back from injuries but like what type of player is Draymond Green still at this point in his, in his mm-hmm. career, right? Was he just checked out mentally and obviously on a bad team because of all the injuries um, and just sort of had a down year and that's fair? And can he get right back to being Draymond and leading a defense and stuff like that with Curry and Clay if everybody's healthy? I mean, I think so still for a year or two at least, but we will see. Happy, uh, happy news for the Warriors fans there, though. Final one. This is a good one. It's a good headline. USA Today. Cavs' Kevin Love um, is ESPN's Arthur Ashe Courage Award winner for his efforts in addressing mental health issues. Um, this was a, an ESPY award. Did the ESPYs happen? <laughs> like, I think they did on Sunday night. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know how they happened, but I believe they did. But he got this uh, Arthur Ashe Courage Award for, again, for those efforts in addressing mental health issues. I think he gave something like half a million dollars to UCLA as well. Um, good news here to, to end this podcast with. Kevin Love getting this award, and rightfully so. Yeah, and he gave a lot of credit to uh, DeMar DeRozan for yep. for speaking out and basically saying, hey, DeMar, you spoke out, so that led me to speak out, and I think that's led to a whole movement in uh, in the NBA. And and even down to Orlando, the uh, NBA has advised them to have a, uh, a mental health specialist or an advocate or, or a doctor of some sort on staff among their 35 or uh, 35 uh, people that they bring down, or at the very least have somebody that you can... Uh, Tell a doc you can uh, get online with and, and discuss uh, you know, your issues of having to be down in Orlando for an extended period of time. So uh, yeah, kudos to Kevin Love and Demar Derozan. Took uh, takes a lot of courage, a lot, a lot, a lot of courage to to do something like that. And I think that's uh, 
for them to try and normalize that in the NBA. I don't think they were trying to do that at first, but they have. Uh, they've they've made it, I think, pretty um, pretty commonplace now. For if we see somebody speak out, it's it's just like oh, somebody speaking out. It's it's just sort of like part of part of the NBA now, which is uh, is really really good news. Just going to say, it's long been considered sort of a sign of weakness if you uh, say you have some sort of mental health issue, but to have you know NBA star players and all star players come out and acknowledge it, I think is it really does set uh, a new standard for people to say it's okay if you're feeling down, if you're feeling you know you're not feeling yourself, and to not be ashamed or embarrassed about it. And uh, it's it's very important issue that uh, so many people are dealing with around the world. And, and again, to have some faces that we recognise, some people who we sort of look at and think well you've got all the money in the world and you've got all the stardom and fame but that doesn't always necessarily mean that you're always happy so uh, very very uh, important and and good you know to get the recognition here um, for Kevin Love and I think uh, I think that's important because it's an ongoing battle and uh, not one that anyone should sort of feel that they can't talk to anybody about yeah guys doing their part like you said DeRozan and Love to erase that that stigma around um, anxiety and depression and stuff like that and being vulnerable for sure good stuff well deserved should have gave it to. I should have done a co-winner though. I think you're right. Give it to DeRozan and Kevin Love there. Come on, come on, Espies. Homer. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Maybe it'll over. All right, guys. Uh, we'll call it there with the NBA headlines. I'm sure in the next couple of hours or over the next 24 hours or so, there will be a lot more. Maybe in regards to players, maybe even teams. For all we know. Um, addressing this idea of heading to Orlando because that's happening very soon, or you got to lock in your uh, your personnel, your 35 team personnel, player personnel. We'll find out. But tomorrow, we'll hit the beach. Get your emails in. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks inc. Um, JD, before we go, I just wanted to say um, you, you shared one of my. Favorite photos from the past couple of months. You and your boys mm. holding your skateboards <laughs> and your longboards, looking like the most badass group of Doyles I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so you looked like you got some uh, got some reps in over the weekend. Got some didn't you? reps in. No falls. No falls. Ooh, wow. Uh, last three days in a row, been out there. Haven't been going very fast, to be honest. But uh, you know, people are people are avoiding us. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Because you just look so. Yeah, we so just badass? look. Uh, we just look like we uh, we're we're going through the park, which is basically empty. But uh, you know, people are sort of looking at us, going, "Who, who are these? Who, who is that old guy with those two kids?" Uh, you know, they're saying, "Who's that really cool old guy out there?" With <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that very much. Like. No, but I have to say, JD, the helmet with your beard and glasses—it yeah. just meshes perfectly. <laughs> It's yeah. so and cool. The, I love the socks look too. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got to protect God, those damn. ankles, I guess. I look, I look at that photo and I definitely say, oh, "Damn, I wish that was my dad." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like the, they've they've reached the age where they're basically my roommates now. Ro- <laughs> roommates that I can boss around. <laughs> yeah. Hey, roommate, go do the dishes. Are you are you still the tallest member of the three? I am then? not. I am wow. not. That's why I left the helmet on for the. Uh, <laughs> Gave me some height. That's right. <laughs> and Lincoln, uh, the old tall boy, Lincoln. He doesn't have a an Instagram account. Doesn't he? Doesn't have a phone, does he? Uh, he they he does have a phone, but uh, we don't allow the social media. Not 
Not before they're 21, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that one. Yeah, 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 exactly. This roommate sucks, man. (laughs) He pays all the bills, he pays the rent, but man, he won't let me get on Instagram. All right, good call, cool dad. All right, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, and remember, goats like to be milked by hands that they know. (laughs) (laughs) Embrace the day, people.